0: Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1, Tristan Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, we just praise you and magnify thy name, O Lord. And we thank you so much for this time that we're about to have with you, Lord God. And I pray that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. Bless them and touch them and speak to them, O Lord, in, in your own special way. Heavenly Father, you know the needs, you know the desires, you know what's going on in everyone's lives, O Lord. So I pray that you minister to them in your own way. In the name of Jesus Christ, we praise you and we thank you. In the master's name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Praise God. Let me just say to the outside here, we have a lot of scripture to cover today. So why don't you hit pause and go and get your Bible, get a pencil, a pen, a marker, some paper maybe to write on, and take some notes as the Holy Spirit so guides you. Because as I always say, you never know when these highlighted uh, comments in your Bible come back to help you as the things of life progress. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Glad you could join us again. Pastor Mike here, I think I said before, and uh, getting right into scripture here and starting with the message. You know, sometimes we feel like uh, like our lives are just moving ahead without a purpose. We've all had that question go through our minds. You know, what's the, what's the purpose of the Lord? Where, where am I heading? Where am I going? You know, sometimes we feel like We're making it on a day-to-day basis only, and that we want more from life. We've all felt that from time to time. What more in life is there for me? Lord, what is it that you would want me to do? Sometimes we wonder what God has in in mind for our lives because we feel that we're at a standstill. You know, I had someone say to me one time, I just feel like I'm stagnating. You know, sometimes they move on to make other choices, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. There's no change at all. But we all have that question going through our minds sometimes. Now, I will say to you that I don't know exactly what God has planned for you. But I do know one thing for sure, and that God has indeed begun a work in your life. And we're going to see how Scripture proves that. God has indeed begun a work in your life. Right now, you may feel like it's just pointless, like you're kind of drifting and so forth. But I'm telling you, God has indeed begun a work in your life. You have to think of your life, all of us may have to think of our lives, as a construction project, and that God has already started the project. Now, again, I say, I don't know where you are in God's construction process, but you are under construction. I repeat, you are under construction. It may be that you are not yet a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe you do not yet know the Lord. But the fact that you are listening to this message today, the fact that Holy Spirit, whether you realize it or not, guided you to this particular message today is an indicator that God is perhaps fanning, fanning, fanning the fires during this construction process that he has started in your life. He has already started and begun a construction work in your life. Or possibly you already are a believer. Maybe you already are a follower of Jesus Christ. At some point in your past, God began the work in you. Okay, if you're already a believer, then that means that sometime in the past, God began the work in you. And that's what we're going to look at today. We are all indeed under construction. God is doing a work in your life. Your life is not the product of a random series of unrelated circumstances. You are a work under construction. Things happen to you each day by God's design. You experience no coincidences. All right? Underline that in your mind. Underline that in your heart. You do not experience coincidences. We believers do not believe in coincidences. Your life is not at a standstill. God is always doing something in your life. What may seem like interruptions to your day could be divine appointments sent by God to further your construction. Sometimes you feel like there's an interruption or there's all of a sudden, gee, why did that happen? It could be because of the fact there's a divine intervention going on where God is doing something in during this construction process in your life. The blessings that you experience came not by your own doing, underline that, in your heart again. The blessings that you have experienced, they did not come by your own doing, but from God's hand to enhance your spiritual formation. And that's what it's all about. How are our spirits being being groomed? How are our spirits being formed? As the architect, if you think of God as an architect, as an architect, God had a design for your life. As with any project, first there is a design, and then the construction starts the World Trade Center is in Manhattan, uh, the Eiffel Tower in Paris, any great structure. At some point in time, there was a design in someone's mind. There was a design in someone's mind how that person envisioned that structure to look like when it was completed. Well, so it is with you. God had a design. God had a design for you. And then at some point, the construction in your life started. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter one. Jeremiah chapter one. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah 1, and we want to start with verse number 1. Thank you, Jesus. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Underline that in your Bible if you don't have it already underlined. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Okay. So before you were formed in your belly, God knew you. That is an awesome thing to even ponder. God knew you before you even before conception, before your mom and dad came together. God knew you, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee. Okay, so that means that sanctified means to set apart for a holy purpose, to set apart for a holy purpose. Okay, so before you were even born. God knew you before you were, before, before, before conception in your mother's womb, God knew you and had you set aside for a sanctified purpose. I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet under the nation. Now, of course, he's talking to, to Jeremiah and he's telling Jeremiah before he was born, he had set him aside to be a prophet. Now, I'm not saying that God before he before we were conceived, that God has set us all aside to be a prophets, to be prophets. What I'm saying to you, though, is that before your parents conceived you, before your mom conceived you, God knew you and had a purpose plan for your life. That's the point that I'm making here, that before we are physically born, God knows us and has a plan for our lives. Then said I, verse six, then said I, oh, Lord, I, then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a child. I do not know I am a child. Then, then uh, but the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thy shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Okay, so he's telling him now, They says, I have a plan for you. I have a mission for you, if you will, and don't be worried about how you're going to carry out that mission because I will guide you. I will guide you. If you feel like you're running into people and you don't know how to what to say, God will give you the words. So I'm saying also, you know, to prepare yourself because you are under construction and as God, God sends you forth on whatever mission he decides to put you on. Okay, you will be able to deal with the people that come in front of you. You will be able to speak the words that God wants you to say once you realize that God is behind you and that God is the one that is doing the driving. Okay, but right now we see it to start with that before you even conceived, God knew you and God had a plan for your life. We go to Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah chapter 18 and starting with verse number four. I'm sorry, uh, starting with verse number one, sorry. Jeremiah 18, verse number one. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words, okay? So he's telling him to get up and go down to the potter's house and there you will hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter says the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Underline that please, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, all right? So Jeremiah went there and he saw this potter. He was working on the you know the potter's wheel wheel looks like in the in old days, it was, uh, it was two stone circular stone, uh, stone uh, pieces there with joined by a shaft in the middle. And the stone piece on the ground, you know, the, the potter turned it with his feet, and then the, the tablet, the stone on top where the clay sat, it spun around. So he said that he saw him working the clay. Okay, And the vessel made of clay, it was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Now, the Lord is saying now, behold, as this this clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. So you are the clay and you're in the hands of God. And God is the potter and you are the clay. So he's forming you and he's shaping you and he's shaping you. He's forming you and he's shaping you. God is the master potter, master craftsman. He is the potter. He's the potter. He's the master craftsman. While Jeremiah looks upon the potter's work, God shows him two great truths. God has authority and power to form and to fashion people, kingdoms and nations as he pleases, as he pleases. God is the one that is doing the fashioning. He may shape us, mold us and use us as he thinks fit. And it would be as absurd for us to dispute this. Be absurd for us to dispute it. To dispute this is as senseless for us to think that the clay has the ability to quarrel with the potter you you can't even begin to dream, maybe, except in some childish cartoon. Maybe you know, as the potter is sitting there and, he, and the wheel is spinning and he's working this clay. That the clay, the clay, all of a sudden looks at the potter and stops objecting to the way he's being for it's being formed. I you know that sounds ridiculous. Well, so it, just as ridiculous is it for us to object and try and push back on God the way He's doing things in our lives? Right? God is the master craftsman. If we go to Isaiah sixty-four, we see another truth here. Isaiah. Isaiah 64, praise the living God. 64, verse number 4, it says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither has seen, neither has I seen, O God beside thee, what he has prepared for him that waits for him. Thou meetest him that rejoices and worketh righteousness those that remember thee in thy ways. Behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. In, in those is continuance, and we have to be saved, we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and, we'll, and we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirs up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, and thou art our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Please underline that, please. But now, O Lord, thou art our father, and we are the clay. Thou art our potter, and we all are the work of your, of our, of your hands. Okay, so we see right there where, again, it's saying that he's the potter. And we are the clay and we are the rework, the work of his hands. He is the one that is responsible for shaping and forming us into what he will have us to be. We see again by the scripture, God is indeed the potter. He is the potter who shapes us and we are under his construction. We are under his construction. Okay. as Jeremiah watched the potter work. He learned how he should respond to God's work as in our lives. He learned. He learned. If we go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we see here in verse number 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let me read that again. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, referring to us as earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies, made manifest in our bodies. Paul called us earthen vessels. You see there in verse number 10. This is very fitting since God formed us of the dust of the ground in accordance with Genesis, Genesis chapter two, verse number seven, especially when expecting or experiencing trials, we recognize the fragile nature of our quote unquote of our clay bodies. OK, when we're going through trials in life, you know, and you, when you've got, you know, you know, in, infirmity there and, and you're sick and you're just tired. You're dragged down tired. You really see how frail our earthen vessels are, how frail our clay bodies are. And the word of God refers to us as being made out of the dust of the ground. Clay is an inexpensive material that remains worthless until it is in the hands of a skillful potter who can make it into something valuable. Clay is dirt. Clay is dirt, the form of dirt. And it's, it's, it's very inexpensive, very cheap, until it gets into the hands of a skilled craftsman who is able to shape that clay into some sort of a vessel that winds up becoming a one-of-a-kind thing. It's just really beautiful. I mean, you know, you know how much pottery you can sell for. I mean, you know, I mean, gee, That's a whole you know, topic by itself. But, but, but clay out of the ground is the same for every single sculptor. It's not until that sculptor's skilled hands takes that piece of clay and molds it and shapes it into something, indeed, that is of value. When there's a transformation, the potter sat between those two parallel stone wheels joined by a shaft. As I mentioned before, he turned the bottom wheel with his feet and worked the clay on the top wheel. The clay sat on the wheel as it turned around and round and round, sort of the way our lives feel at a time. Okay. Sometimes our lives feel like we're just going in circles, going in circles. And if you've seen a potter doing his work, you see that's how that clay goes. It just spins around, spins around, spins around. Sometimes we feel like our our lives are going in the same direction. If we go to Jeremiah 18, verse uh, 4 again, I want to go back there again real quick. Jeremiah 18, verse number 4. Okay. We see there where it says, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it, okay? The vessel he made uh, made of clay was marred, so he made it again, all right? The Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew, uh, and the word for marred becomes destroyed or corrupted. Since clay was cheap and a vessel was marred or ruined, potters often just threw it out and started all over again. All right, but now if we go to Philippians one, we see something else here. Philippians one, Philippians one. Uh, Let me see, one verse number three. One verse number three. We see, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all make requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you, underline that please, he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Underline that also. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's interesting. It's saying there, God started a good work in you, and he will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. And he will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. All right. So we see that how the potter that Jeremiah watched worked patiently on the same piece of clay until it became a vessel that seemed good to him. Paul said that we can be confident in this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will continue it or complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God will be working on us until he completes it until the day of Jesus Christ, he doesn't stop working on us. He wants to get us to a point in time when when the day of Jesus Christ is there that we are a vessel, we are an earthen vessel that has been shaped to his liking and to his satisfaction. We might feel marred or flawed, but instead of discarding us, God can reshape us into another vessel that is precious and valuable. The Hebrew word for potter is yatsar, and over half the times it occurs in the Old Testament. It is translated as form or make. For example, it is the word that God used when raising up Jeremiah. Before I formed you, the word Hebrew word yatzar, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, okay? Before I formed you in the womb, I know you, you see? You see? You see? So it shows you that, again, the formation, Jesus just, we may feel like we're marred or flawed, things are not going right, but doesn't that mean that God has given up on us? He is still shaping us and forming us and he will keep on doing that, again, until the day of Jesus Christ. We go to Ephesians 2, uh, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2, and I want to do verse number 4, Ephesians 2, verse number 4, for God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, we are saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace, you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Okay? Grace is simply a gift of God. There's nothing that we could do to bring about this grace. This is only from God. Not of works, lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay. So we see again here, we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship as God formed Jeremiah. So he will form our lives as the potter had power over the clay so God has power over our circumstances vessels have a purpose vessels have a purpose you have a glass it's a vessel the purpose is to hold water juice or whatever drink you may put into it a bottle has a purpose to hold whatever it is that you're going to put into it wine skins have a purpose need to put the wine into it right so vessels have a purpose vessels indeed indeed have have a purpose okay and God, fashions us to fulfill our purpose since we are his workmanship, all right? So when you consider that we are indeed vessels and God is doing the forming, that means he's forming us for a purpose, for a reason. There's no such thing as a life that is just going along pointless, amen? Even though your life may feel like that at times, there's no such thing as a life that is just drifting along pointless. It isn't, okay? Because God is still shaping you and forming. Like I said before, nothing in your life happens by, by, by mere coincidence or by accident. Okay, everything, everything that happens in your life is by God's, God's design. Either God permits something to happen or God is, is doing something proactively towards you. Amen, amen. But he is the one that is doing the shaping and the forming of our lives. The potter's hands shape the clay. And there are many hands that God uses to shape us. Okay, many hands that God also uses to shape us. He is indeed the master potter, potter but he directs the hands of other circumstances around us to shape us. Sometimes there are parents that wind up shaping us. There are siblings, our brothers or sisters can wind up shaping us. Teachers that we run across, our elders that are in our family, elders around us, even if they aren't family members, they wind up having, having some impact on our lives and shaping us, okay? But scripture teaches that trials are the most obvious way that God molds us trials and tribulations are the most obvious way that God molds us. We have a tribulation that comes into our lives, something is challenging in our lives. When you stop and think about it for a ma- for a matter of fact, you stop and think about it for a moment, you, you know, that trial, that tribulation God is permitting or God is bringing upon you so that he can shape and to mold you. There's a good reason why these things are happening. At the time that that shaping and molding is going on, it may not feel so pleasant to us, but if you stop and re- and remember that God is the one that is there that is doing the molding and the shaping, Unlike, unlike the clay on the wheel, which has no free will of its own, we choose how we respond to the potter's hands. Okay? The clay on that wheel has no free will to push back, to push back and say, I shouldn't be moved this way. I shouldn't be moved that way. I shouldn't be, be a, 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 you know, pushed in at this particular point. I should be pushed at some other point. We don't have we, uh, the clay has no will. The clay has no will to do that. But we can choose how we respond to the potter's hands. And many times we do, whether we realize it or not. If we are like the clay, if we make our lives and let ourselves be like the clay, soft, pliable, and submissive, then we become better. God will make us into something that seems good to him, as the scripture says. Okay? If we let ourselves be pliable and give in to God's, to God's moving and touching and molding and whatnot, then he will indeed make us into something that seems good to him. The difficulty, however, is that being shaped on the wheel of life is often painful, as I alluded to a moment ago. Trials can can tempt us to become bitter towards the potter. Trials can tempt us to become bitter towards the potter who is shaping us. We can become stiff and hard in his hands, which is why Isaiah 45 gives us a warning. So let's go to Isaiah 45, verse number number 9. Isaiah 45, verse 9. All right, verse number nine. Woe unto him that strives with his maker. Underline that, please. Woe unto him that strives with his maker. And it is a capital M, meaning that is referring to God. Woe unto him that strives with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth, What makest thou? Or thy work? He has no hands. He has no hands. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou? Or to the woman, what hast thou brought forth? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands, command you me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands have stretched out of the heavens and all their host have I commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city and he shall let my captives, let go my captives, not for the price of not for the price, nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. So it's saying that if the operative of our verse there that I really want to focus on is that very, very first one in verse number nine that starts with, Woe unto him that strives with his maker. And then verse number 10, Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou? Or well, what are you birthing forth? Who are you bringing forth? When we fight against our, our circumstances, we're striving with the master, we're striving with the maker. Okay, All right. when we fight against. When we fight against our circumstances, we are fighting against our Maker. Pharaoh in the book of Exodus demonstrates the painful consequences of doing that. We, we know how Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he resisted God so many times to let Israel go. And we know the final result of that. Egypt was hit with multiple plagues and Pharaoh's firstborn died and his army was destroyed when pursuing Israel into the Red Sea. This is a sobering example. Uh, that should encourage us to have soft, teachable, submissive hearts towards the potter. Okay. We can't be pushing back against him. If God is shaping us and we're having trials and tribulations and God, the Holy Spirit, is telling us to do one thing and we push back on doing that. The word of God, we just read, says, woe unto him that does that. Okay? So you're looking for a problem if you're pushing back on what God is doing in your life, if you think there's a better way of doing it. God is shaping you. God is shaping you to get to the point where you can be the best that he wants you to be so that you can be a vessel of honor unto him. So you can be a vessel to receive of him. How can God pour out, you know, the the, the, the depths of his Holy Spirit upon you if you are, are, are an unworthy vessel? I mean, if you have you making a, a clay pot and you have holes in it and all sorts of things and you pour liquid into it, it's going to leak out. It's not going to be able to hold it. How are you as a vessel, an earthen vessel, how are you going to be able to hold what God wants to pour out into you? Okay. He wants to shape you and mold you so that you can be all that he wants you to be. It's as simple as that. Amen. Amen. And, and we see what happened to Pharaoh, as I said. If you go to Jeremiah 19, verse 1. Jeremiah 19. Verse number one. As a matter of fact, before we get there, before we get there, let's go to Jeremiah 17. I'm sorry. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Jeremiah 17, verse number five. Okay, Jeremiah 17. Verse number five, thus saith the Lord. As I said before, you see what happened with Pharaoh. Okay, when the clay becomes as hard as Pharaoh, clay can no longer be formed. Then it is good for nothing, but it must be thrown out. And this is what happened with the Jews. Okay, you know what happened happened, uh, with the Red Sea? Pharaoh was destroyed, army was destroyed, but the Jews continued, continued to fall back and and to continue to sin. When clay becomes hardened, okay, and it gets to the point that it can no longer be formed, then it is good for nothing and must indeed be thrown out. And that's what happens to the Jews. Now, again, going to Jeremiah 17, verse five. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. Whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth not spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Okay. so we see here for a man that trusts in the Lord is living in a very, very comfortable place. The Lord here, the word of God here, here, you know, kind of makes as an analogy, it will be like a tree planted by the waters for a tree, what a wonderful place to be, and that spreads out her roots by the river, always able to draw in the water because she's right by the by the river there, and the roots are going out towards it. It shall not see when heat comes. In other words, it doesn't worry about when it gets hot, because it has plenty to draw and plenty of water there. Her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. In other words, relatives to our lives. If you trust in the Lord, you're going to have a good life. It's going to be easy. You're not going to feel it when the heat comes. When the heat comes along in the way of politics, in the way of circumstances, and when heat comes along in the way of the economy, heat comes along in the way of infirmity, sickness, when heat comes along in the way of COVID, when heat comes in the, in the way of, of lawlessness that's going on in our neighborhoods, it's not going to, going to come near us because we trust in the Lord. We trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. If God is your hope, you shall be okay. You should be just like that tree planted by the river. You shall not be careful in the year of drought. You shall not be worrying when things are going dry for others. When things are going dry in the whole community, in, the, in, in, your, in your state, in, in, your, in your country, in the world for that matter, God will indeed care for you because you, your hope is always in God. Okay? And you shall not cease from yielding fruit. In other words, you shall be prosperous. You shall still be prosperous if our trust and hope is in God, not in man, not in man. We don't trust in, in man. We trust in God. We trust always in God. All right. And then if you if you scroll down further to verse number 21, 17, verse number 21, you see, thus saith the Lord, take heed to yourselves and bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. Neither carry forth a bundle, a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day. Neither do you any work, but, a, but hallow you the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. But they obeyed not, on the line, but they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their neck stiff, but made their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. Okay? So we see there again, that's what I was talking about. Okay, God was doing the shaping. God was doing the molding, gave them instruction. Yesterday they pushed back. They weren't making themselves as, as, a, as a lump of very, very, you, you, know, you know, pliable, a very, very soft piece of clay to just yield. They were pushing back and they, they used the word stiff. You became stiff neck, became stiff neck. They did not obey nor incline their ear, but made their neck stiff that they might not hear nor receive instruction. The Jews hardness in chapter number 17, we just read, led to the chapter, led to the command in chapter 18 for Jeremiah to go to the potter's house. What God was doing was that God wanted to show his people that he was working for their good. He was working for their good. They remained hardened, though. They remained hardened, though. So then God showed them what happens to stubborn clay, right? After God tries so much and tries so much and shows them and gives them so much. And it was ample proof the whole time they were in Israel and in uh, in the desert there. You know, you know, God gave them showing so much. proof. even when he got to the promised land and so forth, God gave them so much proof time after time after time. Yesterday they became stiff. They became stubborn, in other words. Right? We have to be careful in our life that we don't become don't become stubborn. And God is showing you something to do, and you know in your heart of hearts this is where you need to go. You, you feel Holy Spirit giving you the guidance. Yes, so you, 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 you insist in going in the opposite direction. You're becoming stiff-necked. You're becoming hardened, all right? And so here we see because of that, God, God gave them, God told Jeremiah something else. And let's go to Jeremiah 19. Jeremiah 19. Jeremiah 19, verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord, Go and get a potter's earthen bottle. Okay? Thus saith the Lord, this is God speaking to that. Go get a potter's earthen bottle, a bottle, sorry. And take of the ancients of the people, in other words, take the elders, take of the ancients of the people, and of the agent of the priest, elders of the priest, and go forth unto the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there, the words that I shall tell thee and say, hear you the word of the Lord, hear you the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, the which whosoever heareth his ears should tingle. Because they have forsaken me, Underline here's the reason now, because they have forsaken me, and have estranged this place and have burned incense in it to other gods whom neither they nor their fathers have known, nor the kings of Judah, and have filled this place with the blood of innocents had all sorts of sacrifices there and worshiping other false gods in this place of, of the Lord doing all of these things, all right? Because God, because they have forsaken me, God is saying, and did all those things. Verse number five, they have built also the high places of Baal, okay? Now, you know, that's one of the chief, chief satanic demons, Okay princes. All right. Baal. They have built also the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings unto Baal, which I commanded not, nor spake it. Neither came it into my mind. Can you imagine that in a place that was supposed to be a holy place? They were, were burning, offering live sacrifices, burning people to this, to this demonic God, Baal, doing this. And that's why God said, you have forsaken me. We've got to be so careful that we do not forsake God by our actions. You know? Now, granted, we, none of us, we, have, we don't have the ability, nor the withal, nor the desire to be burning human people or any altar built in our lives. But, but how many times can we forsake God in other ways? By not sticking to his word, by not doing what his, what his word tells us to do, you know, by not attending church, by not reading his Bible, by not meeting him in prayer. How many times have we, have we forsaken God simply by not doing his will? Okay? So God is very upset about that. Now, obviously, they're doing all sorts of things counter to his word. Okay, verse number six says, uh, um, therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that this place shall no more be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And I will make void the council of Judah and Jerusalem in this place, and I will cause them to fall by the sword before their enemies and by the hands of them that seek their lives, and their carcasses will I give to be meat for the fowls of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth. And I will make this city desolate and a hissing. Everyone that passes thereby shall be astonished and hiss because of all the plagues thereof. And I will cause them to eat the flesh of their sons and the flesh of their daughters, and they shall eat every one of the flesh of his friend in the siege, in the siege and straightness, wherewith their enemies that they seek Uh, that they seek their lives, shall straighten them. Then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee. Remember he told them to go get an earthen vessel? Then thou shalt break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee and shall say unto them, thus saith the Lord of hosts. Even so will I break this people and this city as one breaks a potter's vessel, as one breaks a potter's vessel, as one breaks a potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again. And they shall bury them in the Tophet till there be no place to bury. Okay? So you see, they made God, God made a very good example. He said, Take an earthen vessel, take a vessel, and go out there and show them, break that bottle, and say, The same way that you are breaking this bottle, this is what God is going to do with you, with this place. Okay? So when the vessel gets to the point that it is no good, then it cannot be used. You shall break the flask. Go and get a pot of earthen flask, then you shall break the flask in the sight of the men that go with you. God told Jeremiah to bring these leaders with him because this was another object lesson. Okay, God wanted to make a point and they could report back to the people what was in store for them. If they remained hardened towards God, they would be broken like the clay vessel was broken. Okay, now this is what we have to remember. He pushed back on God and God, if you just totally keep ignoring him, then that vessel is of no use to him. And the vessel then is just broken. And that vessel gets broken, really. And how does that manifest in our lives? It's by us to just, just not succeeding in anything. Things just getting worse and worse and worse. Things going downhill. We still have that free will, don't forget. These accounts, Jeremiah at the Potter's house and Pharaoh, are fascinating because they deal with God's sovereignty and the fact that we are free moral agents. In other words, we are free to choose. As always, we are free to choose. While God is sovereign, we still have the responsibility of being submissive to his molding and his shaping as he's doing in our lives. Since God gave us free will, he will not force us to do his will. He gave us free will, so therefore he will not force us. You've heard me say many times, God could have created us and just made us a a bunch of robots, a bunch of automatons, where we just simply walk around, yes, Lord, we love you, yes, Lord, we will do this, we will do that, but it wouldn't be out of our free will. God wants us to love us out of our free will. He loves us. He loved us first out of his own free will. So God does not want us to be robotized. So we, so he's sovereign. Okay. But we can actually tie God's hands, you know, and you heard me say before, you know, by simply being, being disobedient to his word and not doing, we can uh, tie God's hands because God has to be faithful to his word. Okay. God, as much as he loves you, if you insist on sinning, insist on sinning. God talks about punishing the sinner. So therefore you fall into that place of being a sinner. As much as he may hate it, it may hurt his heart, but he can't lie. He, God said he hates the sinner and the sinner will, will, will pay the price, etc. He cannot go against his word. So as much as he loves you and he's trying to form and shape your life, you still have the will to 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 tie his hands, as I sometimes say, because of the fact that certain things God cannot do because he can't make a liar out of himself. If God was a liar, then there's the it's pointless for you to be listening to this message. It was pointless for me to, to have recorded this message. Everything that we do in church, it's all a bunch of lies. God cannot be a liar. Cannot be. All right. So we see here, we see it that, that while he's sovereign, we still have the responsibility of being submissive to his molding and his shaping. And his shaping. At some point, it is possible that God can bind God's hands, as I say, because he, he is bound by his word. We go to Second Timothy. Second Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, and then we want to do verse number 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as does a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is passed already and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, saving his seal. The Lord knows them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth or of clay, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor. If you purge yourself of those bad habits, those bad ways, those sins, you shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. All right. Okay. You shall be you shall be meet or you shall be found good for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. If you cleanse yourself from unrighteousness while God is sovereign over our trials that come into our lives, we choose how to respond to them. We choose how to respond things come into your life, then you have a choice of which way you want to act, which way you want to go in response to that. We are in the potter's hands, and we face two choices. We are soft and pliable. We can become better. If we're soft and pliable, we can become better. If we become stubborn and stiff, then we can become bitter. Okay, Let me say that again. If we are soft and pliable, we can become better. If we become stubborn and stiff-necked, we can become bitter. Paul assured Christians in Philippi and us, and, uh, and us of this important fact, as read in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. From this we learn three encouraging truths. God will finish what he has started in your life. God will indeed finish what he has started in your life. God is not improvising a plan for your life. He works intentionally. God does not improvise. Okay? Many years ago, I don't know, maybe the club still does exist. I mean, many years ago, there was a club that was called Improvisation. One was on the West Coast and one was on the East Coast. And I remember going to that club. Way, I mean, we're talking, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, probably. Matter of fact, in one of those clubs, I saw Bill Cosby with his start when he was starting out and Richard Pryor when they were starting out. You know, it was it, No, better. basically what it was, you had an audience that was there and they improvise. You know, someone who thought they were funny or you know, was, was striving to become an actor or a comedian would just get up out of the audience there and start making doing this thing, making the jokes to improvise. OK, that means that it's unrehearsed. So what this is saying is that God is not improvising. He's not making an unrehearsed and unknown plan for your life. God works with intention. A good construction project has both a desired outcome and a plan for achieving it. Likewise, God has a goal in mind for your life, and he's methodically moving you closer to his goal. We find his plan for all of us in Paul's words to the Roman Christians. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's Romans eight twenty nine. God's eventual outcome for your life is to make you like Jesus, okay? His his, his really eventual outcome, that's why I said that he's gonna be continuing at work until the day of Jesus, all right? his, His outcome is to make us like Jesus and he will continue working on that project. God doesn't give up. He'll continue working on you, his construction project, until he brings it to completion, okay? He won't give up until he brings you to where he wants you to be. He will declare us a finished product when we get to heaven, okay? So this is a lifetime process, saint. They don't think you're going to get to some point and say, okay, boom, I made it, that's it, and you're going to go and continue living your life the way it is. God will be continually working on us to get us to where he wants us to be, and the process will end when we get to heaven, okay? So, 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 so be prepared and be ready. Be excited about what you're going to see God doing in your life. You are indeed a work in progress. The trials and tribulations that come along, they may seem painful, but you be like that, be, be like that pliable, that, that, that soft clay that is giving in and giving in to God's yielding, to God's touch, to God's shaping. Don't become stiff-necked and start pushing back. Remember, the Scripture said, woe unto them that do that. Okay? The Apostle John tells us, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be is, has not yet appeared. Let me restart the Scripture again. John tells us, beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, he Jesus, we will be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That's one. John three verses two to three. We have this construction project going on. So what, what, what is our role in this? What is our role? Make no mistake. God is the wise master builder. He does the work and we reap the benefit. He does the work and we reap the benefit. But we should not live in oblivion. We should not be oblivious to what's going on around us. If we live aware of his activity, we hasten his work in our lives. You become aware of the fact that Jesus, that God is the master potter and he's doing a work in your life, then it will will facilitate it moving along more smoothly and, and more quickly. So as of this moment, as of you listening to this message, you're becoming aware of the fact that God is doing a wonderful construction project in your life and that you should become more, more pliant and let God shape you and mold you as he sees fit. We should not live in oblivion. Do not be unaware of this. Look for God's hand at work around you. If you look hard enough, you'll see God's at work, God's work around you. Learn to view the events of your day as moments of divine interaction and and intervention. Accept nothing as coincidental, nor inconsequential, nor unimportant. Okay, Things just don't happen by accident. So many times, you know, we will get blessed with a wonderful job, which will Great position that gives us everything that we wanted. You know, we got it against all odds. You know, maybe we didn't have the education. Maybe we didn't have all of the skills for it or whatever it may be. or Maybe we didn't feel prepared for it. But we wound up getting blessed with that wonderful job. And now you're making more money. You're doing this and you, you, you feel like there's a point. You know, you know, you know, don't lose sight of the fact where that came from and that God was involved in that. Realize that, that nothing happens in your life. is just just happens by coincidence, you know. I see many people throw things away that God has given you and given them because they didn't stop to realize that, gee, was, I was blessed with that position, and now maybe I'm even running into a difficult time, I'm running into some, some heartaches with it, you know, and they want to throw it away and go someplace else. If they forget the fact that God put them there, and if God put them there, it was for a purpose, and that God is indeed still with them in that position. So realize that the blessings that you received, you know, they're not just coming along you know, just out of the blue. There's no such thing as coincidence, not for us Christians. We know that God has a hand, has a finger in everything that happens in our lives. Listen for God. Listen for God. Listen for God. Listen for him speaking to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak through his word and prepare you for the events of your day. Listen for Holy Spirit. Let him guide you and prepare you for what is going to happen today. He will guide you. Drive and tell you not Don't go down Main Street. Make a left at at, uh, Third Street there. You know, not knowing that Main Street is in a heck of a lot of trouble or that something may be happening on Main Street and the Holy Spirit does not want you to go in that direction. Listen to his voice because he indeed will guide you through the events of the day. Let the word, let God's word shape you and inform you. The events of your day then become exercises that reinforce what God has said to you. And you get home at the end of the day and you think about what is happening, you'll say, gee, you is wow, Holy Spirit, the Lord showed me that this morning and surely enough it came to pass. Realize that God is indeed very present in your life. Learn about God and his activity in your life. Watch for patterns of God's activity. Watch for patterns. Learn how he speaks and how he moves around you. Let the experience of your life reveal God's character and purposes to you. One day, one day, one day, God will declare you a finished product. And that's when you're ready for heaven. One day, God will declare you a finished product. Until then, keep looking. Keep listening and keep learning, okay? Keep learning, keep looking, and keep listening. Realize that God intervenes in our lives, and when these things happen that we think are weird or, in, or coincidental, know that that was God, okay? Nothing happens to you that is inconsequential. God has a design. Amen. So don't start feeling like, you know, you're just, you're just tooling along in life. Nothing is happening. You're not getting any place. Or when you do try something, this is going wrong or that's going wrong. Know that God is doing a good work. He's preparing you as a potter using clay. He's preparing you and molding you and shaking you. He's taking out the impurities. You know, he's, he's, he's patching up any holes that might be. He wants to make you a vessel where, first of all, you can be useful to him. And, you, and God can say, this is a good thing. There's a construction going on in your life. You are indeed under construction. Know it, live with it, be pliable, let God mold you. Don't fight back, don't push at it, okay? Don't push back, okay? We do not want to do that, not at all, at all costs, amen? So know that God is working a good thing in your life. Praise God, praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, let others know where we can be found. We can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net, genesis1.sermon.net. And if you look at the top of the page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when there's new material available. Amen. Uh, we have apps for android and apple devices free of charge you can download them from the play stores Uh, free of charge everything on our website apps and everything are free of charge just for you you know so you can benefit by them Um, all the messages on our websites and off and through the apps are downloadable again free of charge you can download the video or the audio only portion if you like so you can play it back on an mp3 player or in your car or whatever and uh, it's there again for your convenience so that you can hear the word of God anytime and every time uh, that you want to. Uh, also on YouTube, okay, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Uh, you, may, you may come upon us there and uh, you can subscribe there while you're on YouTube also. And you'll be, <clears throat> know, be made known when there's new material uh, available. Okay, and lastly, but far from being least, uh, if you are in the Salem, Oregon area, by all means, stop by and visit with us and come to a live worship service, amen. We meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and we meet at 2651 Commercial Street Southeast. 2651 Commercial Street Southeast. It's in the Candelaria Terrace area of Salem, Oregon. Okay, and again, come on by and worship with us. Uh, you hear the word with us. We'll pray with you, pray for you, and just come by and fellowship with us. We'd love to see you. We'd love to see you. Uh, amen, amen. So again, everything free of charge. Just come on by. Avail yourself of the apps, go to the websites, tell others, pass the word. We here we are to facilitate the spreading of the gospel around about this world as it is doing. Okay, and I pray, I know that you're hearing this in foreign countries too. Our data shows us that this work is indeed going around the world. We want it to continue to do so. So pass on the message. Amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. Uh, let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord, we pray that as we go through the balance of the day and the week ahead, that we shall remember these words, O Lord God, that we shall feel, we shall feel, feel heartened and, and, and bolstered and, and pumped up at the fact that we know that you are working on our lives right now as I speak. We thank you, Heavenly Father, and we know that you're working on us as a, as a construction project to, to glorify you in the end run, to be an a, a, a earthen vessel that is satisfactory to you, O Lord, that, you can be, that we can be used for, to glorify your name, O Lord God. It comforts us to know, Heavenly Father, God, that you're always with us and you are shaping and molding us, O Lord, and and help us to just be pliant. Help us always to give in to the the nudges and the caress and the pushes of your hand in shaping and guiding our lives, O Lord God. We praise you, Lord God. We just magnify thy name. We thank you for everything in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord.